just want to tell you a little bit about Paul before he steps up. Sorry, Jim. Was it 1990 you were uh, at Emmanuel Bible College? In 91, and that's where he met his wife. They've been married for 15 years. Yes, 15 years. Uh, they've got three kids. I'm going by memory here. Uh, three kids. I don't know their names. He'll tell you. But um, he's going to tell you about uh, some things that are going on in his life, about how God is leading him to serve uh, in the UK. So, Paul, if you'd come up and, and uh, bless us. Just to uh, help some of you kind of get a frame of reference of my background, I've grown up in the Wayne Fleet congregation, and I see Millie here uh, this morning, and uh, her and Uncle George uh, were very influential in my life as a young man, teaching me Sunday school, and uh, I still remember this. You know what that is, don't you? That's a sword drill. And... Uh, they had us doing that all the time. And then every once in a while, they would mess us up and ask us to look up Hezekiah. And uh, for those of you who are trying to think of that right now, it's not in the Bible. So, uh, And also help you uh, get a frame of reference for my family. Uh, those who are, uh, have been in the denomination a little bit longer, uh, one of those names that I like to drop is that I married George Sheffer's granddaughter. And uh, some of you will remember George Sheffer. And uh, he's, been a, he's passed away now, but he was an evangelist and pastor in the denomination for many years. And uh, so I've had the privilege of kind of having uh, the culture of growing up in the Waynefleet congregation and then also the influence of the Stainer congregation. My wife and I, we've been married 15 years, and we've been pastoring in the denomination uh, for 14 years. And uh, I just want to uh, put up a picture here. They're not able to be with me today. Uh, we've been on the road uh, quite a long time, and I think uh, in the past month, uh, we've probably been home for about a week, and just with a lot of the things going on and our kids, we thought we'd give them a break today, and that's my wife, Claire, and uh, her, she's uh, obviously a Sheffer, those of you who know the Sheffer family, our daughter, Carolyn, standing beside me, our daughter, Joanna, Carolyn's 12, Joanna's 10. And then Daniel has just turned seven. And I like to tell people that my son has never walked anywhere in his life. It's because he runs. <laughs> and he never stops. And uh, so he's keeping us uh, very busy these days. And they've all been excellent for, for the journey we've been on. Uh, just what I'm going to do today is tell you a little bit about our story over the past uh, 18 months or so. And... To kind of set the stage for the story, just to be right up front, uh, we do hope to go and work with Brethren Christ World Missions in London, right in the city of London in, uh, in England, and we will be uh, working alongside of Jay Smith, but in a different role than, than what Jay and the others are doing there. Our goal is to begin church planting within London, uh, working within the Muslim community in the city of London. And... Uh, there are approximately 2 million Muslim people living in the UK. 1 million of them live in the city of London. And uh, we believe that God has brought the world to this city. And we have a wonderful opportunity to work with Jay, but also to um, begin the process of church planting uh, in this city. 
Now, as I shared earlier, I've been pastoring in the Brethren of Christ Church, well, really since I was 19. Uh, our, my home congregation was silly enough to hire me as the youth pastor for, uh, for the summer. And I thought that was, even when I was 19, I thought that was odd that a teenager was the youth pastor to the teenagers. But uh, I took it as a good summer job and, uh, and then began at Springvale the next year and finished my schooling. And we've served at West Heights in Kitchener and in London. And then we've been in Penetang, um, Penetang Midland area for the past nine years. And we've had a wonderful ministry, particularly in Penetang. And uh, I've been involved in going back and forth to London for about five years now, taking teams of people back uh, to London and teaching them about evangelism, teaching them about uh, sharing their faith and living with people from other cultures and experiencing that. And on September 29th, 2007, while I was in London, uh, a very rare experience happened to me. Usually I'm the kind of guy that says, I've got this idea. I think this is what the Lord is asking us to do. And I pull people around and say, what do you think? And they'll confirm that or, or uh, deny that they know me. And, uh, and that's often how I have worked in discerning the will of the Lord. But this time, I uh, really felt a strong sense of the Lord just speaking to me in a very special way, saying, Paul, you keep telling everybody else to come and live here in London. Maybe you should think about doing this. And so since that time, we've been on this journey of preparing for this adventure that the Lord is calling us to. There's a reason why uh, many people who go on missions are really young or they're second career people. Because it's just about on the border of being insane to think about leaving your country and moving to another country when your kids are at, at the age that our children are. It has been uh, quite an adventure for us. And one of the things that I think the Lord knew that we needed was again and again uh, that we needed him to show us that he really was calling us to this and walking with us. And, you know, I can say I've, I've served the Lord most of my life, and, uh, and I'd love to tell you that I have this strong faith and that nothing moves me, but the reality would be is most days I find myself saying, God, boy, I sure need you today. And uh, fortunately, uh, in his grace, God has shown us again and again, his gracious hand upon us. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey the past 18 months. It's been probably the hardest 18 months of our lives, just about, and yet I wouldn't give it away for anything. And it's just been a, a glorious time of seeing how God has come through. And so what I'd like to do this morning is just tell you our story. Many of you are familiar with the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. And God bringing his people that have been scattered uh, out through Babylon and they've been sent away in exile and he's allowing some of them to come back. And in the book of Ezra, you read that story. And in chapter 7, Ezra comes on the scene. And one of the things that Ezra does to help people understand how God is using him is he says to them, God's gracious hand is upon me. And throughout the book of Ezra, right into the book of Nehemiah, which is just part two of the story of Ezra, you read this phrase, the gracious hand of God is upon me, or the gracious hand of God is upon us. And as my wife and I look back over the last 18 months, we see evidence of God's hand leading us and guiding us and providing for us. And so this morning, I don't want to um, tell you... You know, uh, God wants you to be a missionary. 
Uh, I don't want to stand here and tell you that uh, you need to give more to missions. I suspect uh, from this congregation there's quite an emphasis on that already. I just want to tell you our story and hope that it encourages you and hope that maybe it inspires you. See, pastoring for, uh, for a while now, I've really enjoyed it. And God has blessed our ministry. He's worked uh, through us in our congregation and in our community. And it's been absolutely amazing. So when I sense the Lord saying, you guys need to think about moving to London, uh, that was actually a difficult thing for me to accept. And we took eight months to pray about that and to talk to people. Because growing up in the Brethren in Christ Church, one of the things that we have valued immensely is the idea of using the community to help you understand the Word of God and to help you understand the Spirit of God's leading. And that we're not islands and we have the community aspect that helps us walk and discern the will of God. So we used eight months to pray and to pull people around us that we valued and trusted and said to them, what do you think? What's the Lord up to here with us? And eventually we said, yeah, this is definitely from the Lord and we need to pursue this. So it's interesting, because the moment that you tell your church that you're thinking about serving with Brethren in Christ World Missions, they hear one thing and one thing only. Bye, Paul! <laughs> and we weren't at that stage yet, but we knew that we needed to tell the congregation that we were thinking about this, so that they could continue to make decisions. So the moment we did that, we knew that basically our ministry was done at our, con at our congregation. And it was. And uh, the scary thing about that was we weren't sure how we were going to go about fundraising and, and living as a family of five. And so I asked Brother in Christ World Missions, the, the staff, I said, how does a family of five fundraise to go to London and still live and do all this stuff? And their suggestion was, well, maybe you could live with your family. And I thought, hmm, how many people have room for five more? And then I thought the biggest reason why I didn't want to live with my family or my wife's family, because I want them to still like us. <laughs> I, could, I could live with them. I'm just not sure they'd be able to live with me. So we said, Lord, if we're going to do this, you need to give us a house. <clears throat> and we got our kids involved and we started praying. And about two weeks later, we got a, friend from a, uh, a phone call from a friend. And uh, she was talking to my wife, and my wife was explaining to her what was going on. And she said, by the way, uh, my house in Kitchener is empty, and if you need a place to live, it's yours whenever you need it, for as long as you want. And that was in uh, June, July of last year. And she lives up near Hudson's Bay. She's a nurse practitioner up there. And uh, she's kept her house in Kitchener, but she doesn't rent it. And she'd heard, and she called us. And so two weeks after we started praying, the Lord provided us with a house to live in. So we had to put our house up for sale. And uh, I'll get to that story in a minute. But that was a big deal for my wife and I. God, if we're going to do this, we need to have a house to live in. You know what the big prayer request was for my kids? Joey needs a home. Joey's our cat. My idea of Joey needing a good home is to find the side of a country road and drop him off. And that wasn't what they thought. So we prayed, God, give Joey a home. 
And uh, that took a while longer. That was a few months. But finally one day, one of the families, my wife's a piano teacher, and one of the, one of the families of the kids she was teaching came to us and said, what are you doing with your cat? Because we'd love to keep your cat. If we could take your cat, that would just be great. And uh, they have four kids, and uh, they live on a farm. And we thought, you know, God, you've just answered our prayer. And it was, you know, for, for me, what's the big deal about a cat? But for my children, that was huge. That was such a big deal. Joey needed to have a good home, and they needed to know that. And they did. Now, since we've learned that one of the kids cut his whiskers off, but, uh, <laughs> but they do grow back, I guess. So I would have liked to have seen that. So, so, so I think what God has done is he's shown our kids too, you know, what you guys think matters to me. Because our children haven't had a say in this, right? When we told our children we're going to be moving to London, England, uh, our oldest daughter, who's 12, you know what she did? She started walking down the road. She was mad at us. We took them out for lunch. She wasn't walking. She wasn't coming home with us. She was really upset. And she had every right to be, didn't she? And uh, since then, uh, she has warmed up very much to this idea, and she's actually quite excited. And that was another prayer of ours. God, uh, Claire and I uh, want to do this. We want to walk in your will. And this is hard on our kids. We need you to, to help our children. And eventually, and this wasn't a real breakthrough thing, but we noticed our kids, probably around the turn of the year here, from 08 to 09, our kids started to change their language from if we go to London to when we go to London. And we noticed very subtly that our kids were beginning to accept this and embrace it and, and actually begin to feel really good about it. And uh, so that is just something as we've reflected and taken the time to stop and look back, we're really encouraged about that. Now, just a, a little bit about the fundraising process, and one of the things that I think is really important, because I've been a pastor in the denomination for so long, uh, I think it's important for congregations to understand uh, this concept with Brethren Christ World Missions. Most of you, or many of you, likely are aware of this, but as, as your pastor and your leaders here teach you as individuals and as families to give a percentage of your income, Back to God, generally we talk about the 10% principle. As a denomination, we encourage our churches to model that for their people. So most churches we encourage to uh, tithe or commit 10% of their annual budget to go towards cooperative ministries. And cooperative ministries, if you're not sure what that is, just picture every congregation sending 10% of their budget into a larger pot. And all that money goes in so that together all of the churches can accomplish some large endeavors that we ourselves as individual congregations would never be able to achieve. And in that big pie that those congregations are donating towards, a, a chunk of that pie goes to Brethren in Christ World Missions, which in turn is used to support missionaries on the field around the world. So indirectly, as a congregation, you are already supporting missionaries, including us, as we prepare to go to London, England. Now, the way Brethren Christ World Missions worked and some of the changes that they've made over the past number of years is they commit 50% of our funding up front is already taken care of. And as individuals or as families, we are responsible to raise the other 50%. So thus, our journey of the last eight months of traveling around different places, speaking and sharing with people to raise that money. Now, the equivalent for us as a family of five for three years 
is to raise about $110,000 Canadian. And the nice thing about Brethren in Christ World Missions, whether we were going to London, UK, or going to Mexico, or a little borough down in Latin America, we still raise the same amount of money. It's called team-based funding. So that some of these countries that are far less expensive to live in help to subsidize our ministry in more expensive places like London, England. So when it comes time to fundraising and you don't have a job and you still have a mortgage, because remember I said we had to sell our house and that was last September we put our house up for sale? Do you guys remember what happened last September? You know, the Americans gave us that little treat called subprime mortgages and uh, the world fell apart. So our house that was for sale stayed for sale. And it was for sale and it was for sale. And um, so when January came, we were, we were finished at our congregation and we had no income. And, and I was the one that wasn't sleeping well at night. And uh, Lord, how are we going to do this? Well, uh, the Lord provided for us. We had no income and, and our house we've had for five months on the market still paying our mortgage and yet God just brought people that uh, stepped up and said we want to help you out no receding nothing going through world missions nothing going through the church just giving money to us so that we could live so that we could fundraise and it was just amazing people that didn't even know us uh, coming and saying we'd like to give you five thousand dollars so that you could have something to live on while you're doing this and uh, it was just blowing us out of the water how God was taking care of us this way and we've been really encouraged with how the fundraising process has taken place. We've reached our goal. One church that I spoke at, there was a couple at the back, and uh, they talked with me afterwards very briefly. We made some exchanges, and then we had some emails, and I was going back to speak there again a few months later, and they said, we'd like to meet you for lunch afterwards. And so Claire and I went, and we were at this church sharing, and uh, afterwards we went out for lunch, and, and then they told us their story. You know, when you were here a few months ago, Paul, we weren't supposed to be at the church that Sunday. In fact, we rarely make it out anymore because of our lives and what's going on. And yet they're very committed people. They're just traveling back and forth to another country uh, with some of their business. And uh, they said, we'd been praying about uh, who, to, who to support or what organization to support, because they had just finished uh, with some, some giving that they were doing with one um, Christian group, and they were looking for some other place to give. And they said, we really sense the Lord's asking us to support you in this endeavor. And uh, so they said, uh, you know, we'd like to do that and over lunchtime. And, and then they told us what they wanted to give to our support. And, uh, and I thought, uh, wow, I've never met anybody from another planet. Um, because their, their support to us is more than 50% of the money that we need. And uh, this was just some of the giving that they wanted to do. And they weren't supposed to be at the church that Sunday. And I come away from that and I say, God, I couldn't plan that. How do you do that? And it's just um, amazed us over and over and over again. Our house finally did sell, by the way. It, uh, it closed on June 29th. And it ended up being very good friends of ours that bought it. And it wasn't a sympathy buy either. They wanted to buy our house a year ago and didn't think they could afford it. And uh, they got some things figured out and realized their house was worth more than what they thought it was and uh, ended up buying our home. And do you know how long it took them to sell their house? Because it was conditional upon the sale of their house. 
They didn't even get it listed. And I thought, that's not fair. We had to keep our house clean for nine months. They didn't even have to clean it. It was sold before they even got it listed. But uh, we're really grateful. Because one of the things we'd have prayed about for the sale of our house was that a Christian family would buy it with kids. And our neighbors were on our case about that. They wanted another good family and people with kids. And it turns out, uh, you know, that's what they got. Now, we had Christian family with kids. And I also had a price set on our house that I was asking the Lord for. But he seemed to think that wasn't really important. And I had to... um, adjust that prayer request so that we could get the house sold. God has also orchestrated us meeting uh, key individuals. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where God has you uh, bump into somebody and then afterwards you realize, man, this person was sent to us from the Lord. We were in Colorado for three weeks of training. And we'd been there for two weeks. At an organization, their whole ministry is to train missionaries going onto the field or missionaries that have been on the field for 20 years or more coming back home and they need to make that transition back home. That's what this organization does. It helps them readjust. So we're at this place for, um, for three weeks of living in community with all these other missionaries. And the second week there, the second Friday... Uh, we were having lunch. They were having board meetings for a couple days. So they flew in all their board members from all over North America, and they were there. And at lunchtime, Claire and I were sitting at a table, and our kids decided it wasn't cool to eat with mom and dad for this meal, so they took off to eat elsewhere with their friends that they'd met. And we were there, and the room is packed full, but there were two chairs that were at our table. So these two older gentlemen had come up the stairs and grabbed their food and asked if they could sit with us. And the one gentleman was talking with my wife, and the other gentleman, I was on the corner, and he was around the corner sitting in the chair and having this conversation. And he sat down, and he said, I put his food down, he said, hey, my name's John Campbell. What's your name? And I said, my name's Paul Kiss. And he said, oh, that's an interesting name. Where are you from, Paul? And I said, well, Toronto, Ontario. You know, nobody knows where Penetang is. It's like you guys saying, I'm from Gormley, Ontario, right? Like, nobody knows where that is, so you just say Toronto. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with the Toronto area. And he asked me another question, and I don't remember what it was, but he put his fork down, and he said, I know your parents. I helped you guys move to your house on the river. And I went, what? We're in Colorado. This gentleman was responsible... Uh, at a church in Hamilton, there's an AGC church in Hamilton that my parents uh, got involved with through VBS, Vacation Bible School for Kids. They'd sent my older brothers and sisters there and uh, got connected to the church. And this man and the pastor led my parents to the Lord, discipled them, worked with them for quite a few years. And when they bought a house out in the Waynefleet area, he helped them move to that house on the river where I grew up as a kid. And he also happens to chair the board of this organization that trains all these missionaries. And now he's on our prayer support team. I'm also bugging him to give us financial support, but I have to work on him yet for that. But this gentleman, God put us together. And so I had my computer there with family photographs from our last KISS reunion. How many of you are familiar with the KISS family? Some of you are. My mom and dad had eight kids. And there's now 25 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. And so when we have a reunion, it's quite a big deal for our immediate family. And, uh, and so I showed him a picture of all of my family. And I said, I want you to see the fruit of your labor. 
because you had an influence in my parents' lives. Now all the children have made a commitment to the Lord, and many of the grandchildren have likewise, because you took the time to invest in somebody. So I come away from that thinking, Lord, I need to meet that man because I know that you orchestrated this. But I also think that he needed to meet us so that God would show him the fruit of his efforts. He has not talked to my parents or seen them in 35 years. Just that Easter time, he called me, got their address, and he and his wife drove out to see my mom and dad for the first time in 35 years. That's cool. That kind of stuff happens, and you could say, yeah, it's a coincidence, perhaps, but I think I know better than to use that kind of language. I could go on and tell you stories about uh, needing to find a place in London. In May, I traveled there, went to meet some people that had a house listed on the internet, and I went at 11 o'clock in the morning to look at the house, and I left at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And Christian people praying for good renters for two or three years looking for the price range that we were looking for, um, fully furnished home, uh, right in the area of London that we want to be, on the east side of the city, working with Asian Muslims, people from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India. The rest of our team live on the west side, by the way, but we want to be living, be living among the people that we're trying to reach. And uh, just to give you another frame of reference, housing costs in London, our place, uh, if we can get everything done, uh, it's 1,000 square feet, maybe a little bit more, perhaps 1,100. Uh, I haven't got it measured out exactly. Three bedrooms, has a posted stamp for a backyard that they call a garden. Uh, three feet from the front door to the front sidewalk, and uh, it'll cost us about 2,600 a month to rent. And uh, so that helps you understand uh, London housing costs compared to Toronto housing costs. And uh, but you know that's the reality of the situation there, and it's all taken care of. Um, tell you a little bit about my dad. My dad just passed away uh, when I was in London. I was there for a week. I flew home on a Monday, got home, uh, landed at the airport, took the shuttle home, got to the door in Kitchener about uh, 5:30, and the phone rang at six o'clock, telling me that my dad had a massive stroke. And later that night, we were at the hospital, and he kind of was already in a coma, and he passed away on the Friday, five days later. Now, before our house sold, we had the opportunity at Easter time to let some people move in. They were from our church in Penetang. They had a house fire, and they had four little kids, and they'd lost everything. We knew we had an empty house in Kitchener waiting for us, so we sensed the Lord saying, hey, you need to give these people your house to live in. And so we decided that on a Thursday night, the following Tuesday, right after Easter, we moved out, they moved in, and the Lord paid our mortgage for two months from people renting our house. And uh, we got to the Kitchener area. Right after we got to Kitchener, I started looking at our calendar, and I realized that five of our next speaking engagements for the weekends were in the Kitchener area, which saved us a lot of traveling. But also what I'm extremely grateful for is that we were only 45 minutes away from the hospital uh, in Hamilton. And if we'd been in Penetang, it was more like two and a half hours. And uh, so we were able to get to see my dad, and perhaps he heard some of our conversation with him when we got there on the Monday night. But we're just very grateful. Again, I could say, boy, isn't that a coincidence? I don't think so. I think the Lord's timing. I was reading, um, just reading today in the book of Acts, as Paul's talking to the church in Athens, 
you know, and God sets the time and the place for the nations, for where they are at a given time, and I believe that pertains to individuals as well. There are no accidents, there are no coincidences. These are things that God has orchestrated and set up. And I could just go on and on and tell you our story about what God's been doing, and I could ask the question, do you think God's gracious hand is upon us? I'd like to say yes, I believe it is. But there have been days over the past year where we have come this close to saying, forget it. This is not worth it. This is far too difficult. And I don't know if you like hearing a missionary or a future missionary say that or not, but that's the reality of, of our situation. And uh, I think those times uh, it's been good to pull out a piece of paper and have a read and remind ourselves of how God has been working in our lives and how he's been strengthening us. One of the biggest challenges for me, when you pastor a congregation, you have your church board that you work with, and you can do an awful lot on your own, and suddenly now you're in a larger organization that has people all over the world, and there are that P word, policies that are in place that you have to learn to adjust to and, and, uh, and submit to. And uh, I tend to be a person that likes to have a lot of free room, and uh, so for me to uh, learn to adjust to fitting within structure and policies and stuff has been a real challenge for me. And it's been a growing experience for me and a very healthy experience for me. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. But I can say that after, after I've made those adjustments. But those, uh, probably some of the people on the staff in Pennsylvania would tell you about enjoying my phone calls with them and some of my emails. But we're really encouraged. And I hope that you begin to see uh, the adventure of saying yes to God. When God asks you to do anything, uh, it's an adventure to say yes. And it's encouraging to go through the processes that he brings you through. The one reason why you might sense a bit of hesitancy in my story this morning is because there's still one bit, very big factor that we're working through right now. All of our past 18 months to 24 months of planning is coming down to one very critical event, and it's this thing called visas. Visas to the United Kingdom. And um, we've been in the process of applying for those visas for a little while now. Everything got delayed because of my trip to London and then my father passing away, pushed things back two weeks. And there's a time frame. You can't apply months and months and months in advance. There's a time frame of applying. And um, so things have been delayed. We went to booked our appointments. Everything's done online. We booked our appointments in down for downtown Toronto to uh, go and submit our paperwork. And the first time we went, uh, the young man was kind enough to point out that we didn't have the right type of birth certificate. And I said, I didn't know that there was more than one type of birth certificate. So we had to leave and not have anything processed and put a rush order on long form birth certificates. And I thought that was kind of funny. It's just our handwriting that we filled out at the hospital when our kids were born. And my parents did, but we got those rushed in, rescheduled our appointment. We went this past Friday, got all of our paperwork submitted, and now we wait. And that paperwork will be sent to Ottawa. Somebody in Ottawa will look at our paperwork and deem whether or not we are appropriate to be granted visas to enter the UK to live. 
And so 18 months of planning comes down to a person at a desk in Ottawa who's never met us making a decision. Would you pray for us? And pray for God's gracious hand to grant us favor in the eyes of whoever it is that will be looking at our paperwork. I hope that we've given all the right documents and crossed all our T's and dotted all of our I's properly. If not, we'll find out. And if, if not, then we'll rework and figure out the process more. But that messes up a lot of time frames, like signing the lease to the house in London, like getting our kids in school and set and established for September. So we really would like to be able to fly out August 10th, but we will not book our flights until we know that we've been granted the visas. So there's a lot of things that are coming down to the time of nip and tuck, and uh, we would love for you guys to pray for us uh, regarding that whole process. All of my life, I have learned the value of saying yes to God. And uh, there have been times that it has been absolutely amazing and there have been times that it has been absolutely excruciating. And as I reflect back, I don't want to change any of them. Because God has grown us uh, in ways that we would never grow otherwise. For two years at my church in Penetang, I'd been preaching about stepping out in faith. Putting up sails and sailing the deep open water. But you also risk the storms when you're out in open water. Ships weren't made to sit in the harbor, were they? And I'd been preaching that for two years, and I think our journey over the past 18 months, God has said, for two years you've been telling people this, Paul, now I want you to model it for them. And so the Lord has taken us on this journey of modeling faith for our people. And I've often said to him, God, it is much easier just to talk about it. I prefer that. But uh, he has other, other plans for us. So we're still not in London yet, but Lord willing, we'll be granted the visas. They are ancestry visas that we're applying for. The good news is uh, if we weren't applying for ancestry visas, we wouldn't be allowed to apply for religious worker visas right now because of a, a lot of delays that are in the UK system over there. And we'd just be waiting and not applying for anything. So thank the Lord that my grandmother was born in, uh, in England and uh, we're at least uh, able to try getting ancestry visas. And if we do get them, that will be good for us because they're five-year visas, and uh, we don't have to renew every year, and then afterwards we can apply for permanent residency. And because we want to church plant, that's more of a long-term thing that we'd like to do in London anyway. So I don't know if I've encouraged you today or inspired you, but I think as you read the word of God and you see that phrase, God's gracious hand was upon us, it's wonderful to look back on your life after you've said yes to God and see evidence of that. You know, Moses needed that too. I think of Moses when God asked him to go to free the Israelites out of Egypt. You know the sign that God gave Moses? One of the biggest signs, the first sign God gave to Moses, you're reading in Exodus 3, he said, Moses, you go do this and here's a sign that I'll give to you. One day you'll worship people on this mountain. You and your people will worship me on this mountain. And I thought that was rather peculiar because God says to him, first go and do everything and then I'll give you the sign. Isn't that odd? And I think in a way the Lord has said to us, you know, you're just going to have to trust me on some of this. So I want to encourage you. What is God asking you to do? What has God been speaking to you about lately? 
for some of you, it might be actually just finally giving your life over to him. And that's kind of scary because it means you're no longer in control of your life. For some of you, it could be very different. It might be a, a big thing. It might be a small thing. It could be a big thing to you, a small thing to me, or vice versa. But it doesn't matter because it's between you and the Lord. What is he asking you to do? And would you be willing to say yes and just to trust him on that journey and accept all the good and the bad that come with it? Because one thing I've learned about God, he loves me and always has my best interest in mind, even when I don't understand. Without fail, always. And so I would encourage you, hopefully through our story, look for God's hand upon you as you've learned to say yes to God. We've got a little table out back there. We've got our prayer cards. We've got some stuff about why, why missions in London. We've got uh, our family profile and stuff. You can check it out if you want to talk more. Pick one up. Fill out the card, the little tear-off stub. Give it to me or send it to Brethren Christ World Missions. We'd love to put you on our mailing list. We'd love to tell you more. Obviously, there's not a lot of time this morning for that. But uh, my bigger desire this morning is just to push you on your willingness to say yes to whatever it is God's asking you to do as an individual or as a congregation. And I know your pastor's going to ask you to do things. And you're going to be tempted to say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. As a man of God, I think he desires what's best for you as well. So don't be afraid to say yes to what God's asking you to do. And may the gracious hand of God be on you as you learn to say yes. That's kind of my talk. I told Tom I'd uh, love to have a couple minutes just to throw it out and say, do any of you have any questions that you'd like to ask me about? I didn't talk a lot about what we're doing in London or anything, but if you've got questions, uh, feel free to raise your hand and ask a question. If not, then, then I'll just invite you guys to come back up. But does anybody have any questions about anything I've talked about this morning back here? Yeah. Uh, really How about, can we pray right now for the pizza thing together? Uh, yeah, you can pray now and not stop till you hear from me. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, who can pray for that? I don't know who your leaders are. It doesn't matter. Just anybody who'd like to pray. Tom, <laughs> you've, been, <laughs> you've been voluntold, okay? So. Yeah. Somehow, some way, you're you're all powerful. You can work through anyone. We learned that through uh, you know how we worked through Nebuchadnezzar. You can work through this guy in Ottawa. Lord. I pray, Father, that you would would continue to uh, have your gracious hand upon Paul and his family and let this go through in Jesus' name. Just a little aside story to that. When we went to downtown Toronto, I love London. I don't like downtown Toronto. <laughs> I, it's just, it's just, it's nothing personal, Pete. Uh, just, uh, 
Anyway, we got there, we go through all that hassle of getting down there, and we're there, like, I've spent more than 40 hours in a, an inch and a half of paperwork, I'm not exaggerating, to submit for this visa process. And this guy says, you don't have the right birth certificate. So we left. And, and, but after that, between that and going back, God connected us up with a, with a young man uh, who's in Ottawa, who's a diplomat with the UK, who knows some of the visa people. And he went and had some conversations for me and uh, gave me some good advice and some good counsel, which has been really difficult to get as we've been going through this process. It's kind of like you're on your own type of thing. So even with that difficulty, God had lined up another person for us to be in contact with. Any other questions? Okay, then I'm going to assume that uh, you're going to chat with me a little bit afterwards and at least take our prayer card and get our web address and our email. And if you don't tell me that you want to receive our updates, I won't have your information to give you updates. We'd love to, uh, you know, you can be on our prayer team. Uh, you can uh, just say, hey, we just want to get your updates. Uh, we don't really care about praying for you, but we'd love to hear what's going on. Uh, we do have people that have just asked for our updates, and, and that's perfectly fine. So, uh, but if I don't hear from you, either if you don't send stuff into World Missions or give it back to me today, then I have no way of keeping you updated. We'll leave some extra prayer cards here at the church. And uh, I just want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak. I guess you didn't really. Jim just decided that he'd get me to come, and you're stuck with it. But uh, hopefully, uh, if you don't like that, you can talk with Jim when he gets home. And um, I just want to thank you for the privilege of being here to share with you today. And it's great to, uh, to worship with you. And uh, hopefully the Lord has encouraged you uh, through his word and through our story.